Balancing Point. This is episode 44. Welcome to Balancing Point Podcast, where you will experience the captivating world of professional ballet. On this show, you will hear what it takes to make it in the exclusive world. Each guest will share with you their struggles, their I've made it moments, and their advice for success. And ultimately, you will learn what it is really like to live your dream. Join your host, Kimberly Falker, and today's inspiring guests as they take you on a behind-the-scenes journey into ballet. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining me today on Balancing Point Podcast. My name is Kimberly Falker, and I'm glad you're here. So today, my guest is Kent Becker. And you'll hear today that Kent is a photographer, but not by trade, more by hobby. But but what's so unique about Kent is he takes photographs of dancers at their curtain calls. And you'll hear today that what's so kind of interesting about that is that during the curtain calls, the dancers show emotions that maybe aren't typically shown on stage when they're actually doing their performance. Um, He says that you often see disappointment or elation, and he's even had the opportunity to photograph some of the dancers um, right as they're retiring, so it's their last curtain call. So what he achieves from these photographs is really a true moment in time that can't be captured any other way. So they're very unique, and he's quite interesting. So let's get started with Kent. So Kent, I've shared a bit about you with our listeners. Please share more about who you are and where you're from and your journey in photography. Well, my, my name is Kent Becker. Um, I uh, am not a professional photographer. Actually, I work in the financial sector in New York City. Uh, my interest in photography began a long time ago when I was in high school, when I had a, a Canon AE-1 camera. That, that was way back when in the film days. So I had a, a dark room and a film camera and uh, very interested in photography. But uh, along the way, I, I kind of lost interest uh, in photography. Uh, but I, I also had a, a great interest in dance. Um, I was a dancer at a non-professional company called Ballet Midwest, which is in Topeka, Kansas, where I was born and, and, and grew up. And I enjoyed that experience a lot as a dancer. And I, I learned a lot and gained a great uh, appreciation uh, for ballet and dance. One problem was uh, that I didn't have the talent to really pursue it at a much higher level. Uh, so I pursued other things, in particular, uh, went on to school and graduate school. But I maintained the interest in dance. And uh, I moved out to Philadelphia in the late uh, 1980s. And uh, I thought that was great. It's one of the reasons why I chose the East Coast, so that I could um, go to ABT performances. And uh, I, started, I started going to ABT performances uh, going back to the late 1980s. So, so it's been quite some time. And I enjoyed that experience very much. Uh, you know, I, I love the dancers. I, I think they're great. And I remember watching Julio Boca and uh, yeah, Cynthia Gregory and great dancers like that. Um, now, in terms of my photography, that kind of went by the wayside. But uh, with the birth of my daughter, which was in 2004, I, I had an interest in terms of picking it up again. And so I had, I had to enter the digital age, which, uh, which I did in... Uh, 2004, and it was a great relief because I no longer had to deal with all the smelly chemicals uh, that, that you face in the dark room. Uh, and uh, also, I, I, I thought it was great that I didn't have to worry about every time I, I snapped a photo, it was 25 cents out the window. 
and with film, uh, so you can take as many shots as you want, memory is free. Uh, and so I entered the digital age in 2004. And then the, the question is, uh, how did my interest in, in dance photography come about? It was a frustrating experience that I had. It was Julio Boca's final performance, which was in 2006. Uh, it was a great performance. Julio Boca is, uh, in my view, the, the greatest dancer of all time. I, I, I loved watching him dance. And I had front row seats for the, his final performance. But there was one problem. I didn't have a camera. And I was exceedingly frustrated at that. Uh, I, I, it, it had uh, been a long time since I, I was you know, kind of a journalist in, in, in high school in terms of taking uh, photographs. But uh, you know, I, I really wanted to capture the moment. Uh, but I did not have a camera. And I, and I found that very frustrating. Of course, with dance, it's not like art. I mean, it's not like a, a painting or a sculpture that, that's permanent. It's, it's rather fleeting in nature. And, you know, when, when, when I was left uh, Lincoln Center, I always had the frustration that even though I saw a great performance, you know, I, I had no permanent memento of it. Uh, and so on that basis, I uh, decided to um, take a camera in uh, to Lincoln Center and, and take photographs only of the, the curtain calls, not, not during the performance. I want to make that very clear. And so that, that started an interest in terms of taking photographs of uh, curtain calls of, of dancers uh, that started in about 2006. So what was the kind of intrigue with, with ABT versus any other program that you could have seen? Oh, Brishnikov. I mean, when I was, when, when, when I was trying to dance, and I, and I underscore the word try to dance, uh, he was my idol. I mean, I always tried, I always tried to imitate him uh, very unsuccessfully, I, I might add. Uh, he, he was just an icon. He was just a, a great, fantastic dancer. Uh, I think that he was one of the main forces behind increasing the popularity of ballet in the, in the U.S. And to a great degree, I think, made it possible for uh, boys, to, boys to dance. Because I, I think that a lot of people had a high degree of respect, respect for Baryshnikov uh, and what he could do. And um, I, I think that he made it uh, more acceptable for boys to, uh, to dance ballet. And so he was always one of my idols. And, uh, of course, he was at APT, so that's why I've, I've always loved AB, APT. And I've always loved the full-length ballets, you know, like Swan Lake and Don Quixote, where, you know, the male dancers shine in those. They can go full out, full throttle, and, uh, you know, do a lot of uh, impressive, impressive things. So then the very first time that you chose to, um, after that experience that you felt like you wanted to document, and then you chose to, to try to try and document, how were you allowed to bring a, a camera in and take those photos? Well, uh, I don't have permission to do so. Uh, I'm not uh, affiliated with ABT or New York City Ballet. Frankly, I'm just a guy in the audience that brings a camera in and takes pictures. Okay. Uh, so I, I want to make that clear. Uh, I, again, I, I do not have permission to do it. Now, you raise an in interesting question. Uh, how can I do it? Well. At the Metropolitan Opera House, uh, during the curtain calls, there's, you know, it's, it's rather chaotic a situation because you've got people that are trying to get near the stage so that they can throw flowers to their favorite dancer, and then you've got other people okay. that are rushing to get to get home, basically to catch a train to New Jersey or Connecticut or, or whatever, and people are yelling and screaming, and so it's a rather chaotic situation. And so it's very easy to pull out a camera and take pictures. 
and uh, there's a lot of people that do it. Uh, I, I'm one of many. It's just that you know I, I chose to uh, have a website that provides a lot of the photographs that I take. Um, I know that there's one person that provides video of the uh, the, the curtain calls, and so it's not uncommon to see photographs on the web. But um, you know, again, you're not supposed to do it, but uh, I do it anyway. So what's your kind of artistic thought behind taking photos of curtain calls specifically? Well, a colleague asked me do I, if I had an interest in terms of taking pictures of the dancers dancing, if I, if I ever wanted to do that. And at this point, I'd say no, because the photographs that you see in newspapers or um, in magazines they're not pictures of an actual performance. It's basically pictures of dress rehearsal. I think that the photographs of curtain calls are real. They're, they're live. They're the uh, dancer uh, after the performance. You, sometimes you can see it on their face. If it's a great performance, they're elated. Sometimes if it's a disappointing performance, you can kind of note a bit of a fake smile. You know, it, it's live action, and that's what really attracts me to it in terms of photographing dancers uh, at the end of their uh, great performance, at the end of their performance. And uh, um, I, I think it's, it makes their performance permanent to have some type of record of it. I, I was talking to one dancer at ABT, uh, Luciana Paris. Um, I took photographs of her curtain calls uh, recently at a Boulay and Friends um, performance, which was very good. And uh, I sent her a link and she looked at some of the photographs. She, she really liked them. And then, then I talked to her at an ABT performance uh, a few weeks ago. And she really appreciated the fact that, um, you know, I, I, I have some permanent record. She, she indicated that, you know, dance is not, uh, you know, sculpture. It's not uh, a painting. So it's very fleeting in nature, and I think she expressed a, an appreciation for, for what I do. Well, I would imagine because you're capturing kind of a, a moment in time and performance to performance, they could probably tell you which one it was that that picture came from, you know? Oh, exactly, yes. Uh, you know, again, it provides a permanent record, and, uh, you know, I, I see uh, photographs uh, that uh, dancers post on their Facebook pages and they tweet uh, around, and so I, I think I, I think it's something that they appreciate. Uh, I, I have not received any complaints from them, so uh, I'll just continue <laughs> what I'm doing until, until people tell me I cannot do it. So, what do you do with the photos of the curtain calls? Because that's such a unique and I think really um, intriguing ph photographic niche. That um, do you give it to the dancers as gifts, or do you sell them to the public, or or what do you do with Well, them? I have a website, which is not my day job of photography. Uh, that's the URL. And, and it, it encompasses, it summarizes my philosophy and attitude towards photography. It's not my day job. I don't do it, I don't do it for a living. I do it as a hobby. I, I do it to get my mind off of, to, to get my mind off of my day job. <laughs> what do I do with photos? I post them on my website. And I make them available to people through a what's called a, a Creative Commons copyright. And that allows people to use the photos for non-commercial reasons and purposes uh, with attribution to me. So anybody out there can use my work 
you know, if they have a blog or if they have a Facebook page or whatever, uh, as long as they're not selling it, uh, as long as they uh, attribute the work to me. Uh, so I do not sell my work, um, but it, it is available for people to use. So what if somebody wanted to, like a dancer who is retiring, for instance, and wanted to uh, take one of those photos and keep it, you know, would you just give it to them or can they buy it or have you ever thought about well, that? I mean, have I thought about it? Uh, not really. I mean, anybody could, could take a photo and download, download it. All you'd have to do is right-click uh, your mouse. Right. And it, it's not that difficult. Uh, do I care if people, you know, print it out? No, not really. As long as they don't sell it. That, that would bother me. I, I wouldn't like that. I mean, have people done it? I'm, I'm sure I, I would hope they, they would. Um, I mean, again, as long as they're not selling it, I, I really wouldn't care. Um, if, if they want me to sign it, then I'd certainly uh, be willing to, to sign it. Um, so, um, I mean, I, 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 I did uh, capture Irina Dovorenko's final performance, and I, I sent her a note, and I think she was appreciative. She sent uh, an email back to me saying that she really enjoyed the photographs, and so... Yeah, because it, it really is um, a unique aspect of the art is that, that curtain call because, I, as I said before, just in looking at your website, I could see in the eyes of the performers it was very emotional in many ways and it was also very intriguing because I felt as if I could read how they felt you know, in that moment. And sometimes it, it looked complete pride and elation other times it was kind of like you said a little bit disappointed or flat or fake you know? right i mean I, one photo that's one of my favorites is uh, of uh herman cornejo and Ciamaya reyes and uh they were hugging one another and you can see the the great relief and happiness uh at the end of a great performance uh those are the type of emotions that you really cannot capture when you photo that's when true. you photograph during a dress rehearsal you know, it, it's the end true. of a performance. They they performed uh, their the performance in front of in front of four thousand people, and you know, in many cases they're extremely happy, elation, uh, emotions of relief. And I think that you can capture that. Sometimes I, I try to get in close, use a, a, a longer lens to uh, to capture the facial expressions, and so that, that's that's one thing that I'm currently working on. Well, that's true, because over the course of this podcast and the short time that I've been working on it, I hear from dancers the struggles behind the scene and the work towards those moments. And then as they describe that moment, oftentimes it is on the stage in the applause stage of the curtain call, you know. And so I think that you're capturing what they're describing, which is sometimes we may not even know what it what it took it might be their big break it might be that they had suffered through an injury and rose above it you know and all these things are behind the scenes moments that they're showing on stage in that very second that you capture that's what i'm trying to capture um, I, I hope that i'm successful at it um again sometimes i use tighter shots to to uh, capture more of the facial expressions I, i've been been working on that dimension recently but, but that's my goal mm -hmm. that, that's what i'm trying to achieve I'm, I'm trying to capture the human emotions the uh, myriad of emotions that a, a dancer goes through when when performing under high pressure situations in front of 4000 people at, at 4000 people at the metropolitan opera house 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I couldn't begin to imagine what it's like to go through that stress as a principal dancer with all the critics in the audience, all the, all the people that are fond of complaining and uh, you know, trying to, to do an extremely difficult performance like Don Quixote or Swan Lake. Um, in front of, uh, you know, again, 4,000 knowledgeable people. That uh, is something that uh, is difficult for me to imagine. I mean, I experienced, I experienced at a much, much lower level um, dancing in Kansas, you know, in terms of uh, performing in front of an audience, but I, I, I don't uh, have a great appreciation for what it would be like to perform uh, in a high-pressure situation like in New York City. Right, right. And it's true because it's not only just the audience, but as I mentioned before, it's behind the scenes and the fact that they might have had the opportunity because somebody was injured or sick or, you know, all these things that put them in front of the audience in a place of, all right, here we go. You know? <laughs> or knowing that they've been criticized, criticized by the critics and therefore, okay, tonight's a really big deal because I want to do better. And all those things that are in your head or in their head while they're doing this, kind of show up, I think, in your photos in the end. Well, well thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, that, that's my goal, at least. Yeah, well, it's exciting. So in our podcast, we do talk a lot about, um, you know, typically I'm talking to dancers, but I, I think it applies to whomever I'm talking to that about the journey in the world of a professional ballet and your 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 piece of it is through photography, but any journey is not... Um, straight lined and always is met with kind of unique failures or challenges or disappointments. And in your role as a photographer of curtain call moments, has there been kind of a, a disappointment or something that you can speak of regarding that? Well, I think the big failure was not capturing Hulu Boca's final moment. So, Oh, good point. Yeah. That's kind of big. I always kick myself on that because uh, I mean he was the man. Um, he was he was a great dancer, and I, I think later, maybe the next year, in his final final performance, he performed in Buenos Aires, in front of uh, I, I think three hundred thousand people showed up. Oh, uh, there was an avenue, a prominent avenue in Buenos Aires. Of course, he, he had his finale in a football stadium. But then there were big screens, I guess, all over the the avenue, and yeah, reportedly 300,000 300, people showed up. So I, I think that that was probably the main failure. But that failure led me to uh, pursue this with more abandon. I mean, I, I think that in general, I, I can't say that since then I've experienced failures. There are situations in which you know I, I take a photograph and. I look at it and say, well, you know, it, it could be improved. You know, say something that I did in 2008. If I was doing it today, I might crop it differently. Um, I mean, currently I'm using a, a better camera. I'm using a, a digital single lens reflex, which uh, allows me more flexibility, allows me to capture a lot more shots. And so I, I think that, excuse me, I think my, that my work is better today than it was in 2006, 2007, simply because I'm using better equipment. Um, I mean, I I can't say that I've had any roadblocks or any failures to date. It's it's just, you know, every time you go out and photograph something, it's a learning experience, Um, no no matter what you're taking photographs of, whether it's landscapes or whether it's ballet or whatever, it's it's all a learning experience. And you you pick up your, you know, experiences and and you um, improve going forward with the knowledge that you gain uh, from your current situation. And that's uh, pretty much the way it is, uh, in my work. 
So when you take the um, photos, do you always have to have the best seat in the house or you kind of have season tickets or how you how do you approach getting the right angle or is it timing of the show? Well, it's always good to have a front row seat somewhere. (laughs) And so I've had season tickets at ABT for quite some time. So I I have front row seats in, in row A and that helps out a lot. But even if you don't have season tickets, you can still get the tickets if you show up at the box office in March. Uh, it's usually in March. If you show up on a Saturday or a Sunday, the first day they're available, you can usually pick up front row seats. However, having said that, um, even if you have front row seats in the balcony, you can still get, get very good shots. So it's not a matter of having to spend $120, $120 a seat you can uh, get some great shots from the balconies, either the second ring or third ring, and I've done that before. Uh, Got some seats uh, for New York City Ballet coming up in the winter season, and they're second row seats, and I was able to get them for $29. Now, of course, I'll have to use a longer lens. It'll be a challenge. It'll be an interesting experience. Uh, We'll see what happens. Uh, But, you know, I I went to Roberto Bollet, and Friends performance in September, and I got some great shots. And the tickets there were not that expensive. I think it was around fifty or sixty dollars, uh, which, you know, by, by New York standards, is not that expensive. Also, Nutcracker, uh, uh, ABT is doing the Nutcracker in Brooklyn, and you can you can get front row seats for fifty five dollars. And so it's it's not a matter of you know, always getting the most expensive seat. Sometimes the, the seats in the balcony uh, w- would serve you just fine, uh, with, the, with the caveat that if you have a longer lens, uh, you, could, you, you, you could probably get the shot that you need. So along with the, you know, minimal disappointments that you've had in the photo and the photography piece of it all, are there any kind of standout moments that you could share since you started taking photos of the curtain calls of dancers? Yeah, I think my standout moment was capturing Irina Dobrenko's final performance last night. That really stands out for a number of reasons. Um, the first reason was that my wife had a conference in Washington, D.C. Or excuse me, I'm sorry, it was Philadelphia. And it was over that weekend. And so I had a conflict. But I was committed to do both. I was committed to go to Philadelphia with my wife at the conference and, and, and child. But I was also committed to um, take photographs at, at, the, at her final performance. Well, fortunately, on the East Coast, there, there's Amtrak. Oh, good point. And so uh, I uh, went with my family on a Friday and then took the train back to New York uh, on Saturday. I went to the performance, and I, I think I got some great shots. So after the performance, I worked on it um, all night. And uh, I, I finally posted uh, my work at about 2 a.m. And then I sent uh, a link to uh, a blogger. His name is Haglin, who, um, who then kind of retweeted it to all the many people that, that follow him. Mm-hmm. And then at that point, I, I went down to, to Penn Station and caught the 3 a.m. train back uh, to Philadelphia. And so I got into Philadelphia at about 5.30 a.m., and then I uh, was able to enjoy the Sunday. And so it, that experience kind of stands out because 
uh, I, I think that some of my photographs were were, were good, and uh, I sent her a link, and she responded. She 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 indicated that she liked the photographs, um, and then it was kind of memorable working throughout the night and, and getting it getting back to Philadelphia at five thirty a.m. So I imagine, yeah. <laughs> so that that's one experience that stands out. Another one is a final performance by Angel Correa, who's a dancer that I, I just love. Uh, I, I'd been watching him since the mid '90s. Uh, his final performance was several years ago, and I think I captured uh, a lot of the, a lot of the moments. Um, and I, I think that some of my work there is uh, quite interesting. And then about a week later, Ethan Stifel had his final performance, and I had I posted a number of photographs there, and one of which was a group of the core dancers uh, tossing him up in the air. Oh, cute! And uh, I've, I've got that documented. So uh, I think that those are the ones that stand out, along with Nina Anishavili's final performance. You know, the final performances always stand out because... I would imagine, yeah. Yeah, it's very emotional. Um, you know, it's kind of a happy time, but also a very sad time. You're celebrating... Yeah, very bittersweet. Exactly. You're celebrating their great career. Uh, but it's sad, and, it, you know, they're not going to dance again. Yeah, it's a finale. Uh, exactly, yes. And the, the, the finale curtain calls can go on for... I don't know, 20 minutes or 25 minutes or so. Wow. So there, there, there's a lot to capture there. So what's one thing about having photographed curtain calls that surprised you? One surprising thing, I think, is how accessible some of the dancers are. Uh, mm. I think that's one of the great things about dance ballet, in that it, it's not like trying to reach Carmelo Anthony of the Knicks, uh, you know, who's never going to respond to any of your tweets. Right. <laughs> uh, and so I, I wondered about how accessible some of the dancers would be. And, you know, surprisingly, I find that they do respond to some of your tweets, not, not mm -hmm. all of them. Of course, they're very busy. I, I think that that's the thing that has surprised me a bit and that, you know, they, they tend to be fairly accessible. Do you see that this is one aspect of, you know, I know that photography is not your career, but one aspect of yourself that will continue to grow and you'll try to expand it or do you want to continue to kind of focus on ABT primarily? Oh no, I, I um, want to expand it. Um, I've been uh, taking photographs of New York City Ballet in, in their fall season and I think I had good luck with that. I also captured some photographs uh, in the San Francisco Ballet season. Mm -hmm. One of which uh, photograph of is his name Teet Helmets? Yeah, Teet Helmets. Yeah, he's yeah. he's on our our podcast as well. He's a phenomenal guy. Right, right. I enjoyed his dancing. Um, you know, I just want to continue with that. Maybe branch out. I don't know. Maybe even to modern dance. I, I'm not. Oh, that'd be neat. Yeah. So, so who knows? And um, in September, I started a blog, which is called Ballet Focus. Okay. And there, what I'm doing is I'm providing commentary and also some of the photographs. And so. I'm trying to act like a, a ballet critic. Which, oh, I like that, yeah. Which is, I don't know, it's, it's a new experience for me. Um, uh, I, I hope I'm producing some interesting commentary, but, you know, people can judge for themselves. Good point. <laughs> uh, you know, so uh, I, I think my uh, URL captures it. You know, it's kind of ballet and focus, which is dance and photography. Along your journey, what's one piece of advice that you've received that has stuck with you? Well, one piece... Um, has stuck with me um, comes from uh, a photographer educator Scott Kelby 
Uh, he publishes a, a lot of books on photography. And one, one of the pieces of advice that he gives is, only show your best work. Uh, don't show mediocre work. Uh, you know, if you only have one good photograph, that's fine. Uh, don't feel pressure to, to provide 50 photos. To show it all. <laughs> yeah, 50 photos of which 49 are mediocre or bad and one is, is great. Uh, so that that's really stuck with me. And so a lot of times I'm editing my photos because from a photo shoot I'll have a lot. Some of, the, some of them I, I think are great and some of them I think are, you know, okay plus. Well, you know, going back to that advice, you know, I'm not going to put it on my web. Um, again, unless I think it's, it, it's, it's special, unless I think that it's really good. So I think that that's one piece of information that has kind of stuck. I mean, sometimes I, I go to other people's websites and they say, you know, here we've got 50,000 photos. Well, I, I don't want to go through 50,000 photos. I, I want to go through just a few photos that are really good. So I, I think that that's probably the, the pr primary piece of information, the, the primary piece of advice that has really stuck in my mind. Well, I like that. So, Kent, in closing, I always ask a few final questions. Um, the first one is, if you could go back in time to your 13-year-old self with the wisdom, confidence, and lessons you've learned along your journey, what advice would you give to yourself? I would say that at Julio Boca's final performance, bring a camera. <laughs> uh, I always have a camera. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, no, seriously, I, I think that um, you know, do things that you're that interest you. I, I think that that's really the I like that the, yeah. the primary uh, thing that I, I think I've been reasonably successful in focusing on. You know, ranging from my interest in in finance and economics to uh, the arts and photography. You know, it just takes time to figure out what you're interested in and. Uh, what what you're able to do, I, I think that would be the primary advice that I would give myself as a 13-year-old. Um, I'd say that overall I've been fairly successful at, at pursuing things that I'm interested in. And um, you know, what, what more could you really ask for? You know, to to, to be yeah, doing be doing things that that really interest you and, and motivate you. That's true. That's great. And then with the wisdom and experiences that you've had interacting with some of the top professional dancers through, you know, the eyes of your lens, have you gleaned any words of advice for aspiring dancers today? I think my advice would be on curtain calls, um, watch Roberto Bolai. I, I think he's great at, at curtain calls. He's, he's one of the best. Um, some dancers, I think, are, are, are very good at it. Some are not so good. But Roberto is, is the very best. He's very slow in his movements when he bows, and he always has um, a very natural-looking smile on his face, and that comes through, I think, in my photographs. Um, I think that bowing is somewhat of an art. I, I went to a, a lecture from the great dancer Jacques Guambois, uh, and uh, I, I have this story in my, my blog, and for a long time, he thought that his bows were very deficient. Uh, and he sought advice from a great Russian ballerina who, who helped him improve his bows. And so it just goes to show you that bowing is not uh, a natural activity. It requires some, some thought. And you know, he said that after you know, talking to this famous Russian ballerina, 
Um, he greatly improved his bowing. So I, I think that would be kind of the advice that I would give um, to dancers. That's actually really, really good because you're right. It's it's one more level of telling a story and acting, which yeah. I think a lot of dancers, probably aspiring dancers, forget that you know the whole process is part of the story that you're telling from stage. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. Um, I, yeah, I, I think that, that would be the main advice. I mean, in terms of, of dancing, um, they're at a much higher level than I was. So I'm, I'm certainly not going to try to, to uh, get, uh, <laughs> advice on, on, on how to dance. Right. Well, you've, but you've got a unique perspective from, from the curtain call and the camera capturing moments. And I think that your advice is very, very sound. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's kind of that way in life that, you know, f- finish what you're doing all the way to the end. You know, <laughs> don't, don't just end it halfway. Uh, exactly. Even, even if it didn't turn out exactly the way you wanted it to, which, you know. Which yeah, always, bow correctly. <laughs> exactly. And, and, and have a natural smile, even though maybe things didn't, right. did not turn out exactly as you had planned, which, you know, which happens. I mean, the dancers. And that's life, right? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, the dancers are doing extremely difficult things on stage. And uh, some of the great dancers uh, are those that are able to hide uh, some of the issues and some of the problems that they're having during their solos or, or, or during the pot of dough. Right. right. And the truth is, ninety percent of the audience has no clue that there was a problem. Oh, true. And it's only that little small percent that knows. And if you show on your face that there's a problem, then that ninety percent will also recognize it. Otherwise, they'd never know. Oh, oh I, I think that's great advice. I mean, that's something that my <laughs> dance teacher would always tell us. Uh, you know, a large percentage of uh, the audience members are not going to know. But don't compound your issue by, you know, saying four-letter showing it. But saying four, <laughs> you know, shouting four-letter words or, or um, having uh, or having a pained look on your face. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> but that that again that applies in life, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you could be at at your office in your financial world and having a a lousy day, and and you could show it all over your face, and then it's even worse. <laughs> exactly. Yes. <laughs> And then finally, what's your favorite motivational quote and how have you applied it in your life? Well, you know, just kind of go for it. I mean, um, in, in terms of my photography, um, you know, I've tried to experiment. Um, I've tried to do a lot of different things. Yeah, the other thing that the inspirational quote that I can think of is just just go for it. I mean, just experiment, um, try different things. things. You know, some things will work out, some won't. But everything's a learning experience, and you just have to uh, take the lessons that you've accumulated and, and build on it. Uh, that's what I try to do in my photography. And as I said, every time I go out, it's a learning experience. You know, at the Met, uh, at the ballet, it, it, it's a learning experience. And I, I come back, think about it, try to improve on what I did, and uh, you know, go forward the next day and try to apply that. Well, Ken, thank you so much, and best of luck in all your endeavors, because I think it sounds so fun. Well, Kimberly, I certainly appreciate it, and if you uh, need anything, just uh, send me an email. And thanks, everyone, for joining me again today on Balancing Point Podcast. You can find this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, on my website, and my shows are aired every Wednesday and Friday. So be sure to tune in again for my next show and my next inspiring guest. And if you'd like to touch base with me or leave me a comment, you can find me on my website, which is balancingpoint.com. That's P-O-I-N-T-E dot com. And you can read more about each guest through my show notes page, or you can send me a comment, leave me your email address. 
I'm also very active on social media. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and all of those handles are Balancing Point, P-O-I-N-T-E. So I do look forward to hearing from you, and until next time, have a great day. Thank you.